Welcome to Gardening Talkback for a Monday afternoon. Greg Richard here, joined by Scott Sharp. Scott, great to see you braving the weather today. I battled my way out here. It was uh, almost sort of Noah's Ark-like, but I did make it. Good thing you're wearing the dinky dippers. (laughs) I'm not going to sink with those on. Good alliteration to start the show. Scott, what have you got planned for us today? Well, our our learned friend, Mark Rourke, actually said, uh, when is too much, uh, when is, you know, water, too much water, not enough. Yep. So we'll talk about that. Excellent. Okay. It sounds like a sh- short segment. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll get it, we'll get it done. Uh, indoor plants is a change of season, what to do with them at the moment. And a plant you might have seen out around at the moment, the golden pender tree. Ah, yes. One of the great pender trees. Yes. It's not a black and white <laughs> pender, this one. It's a golden one. <laughs> now, Scott, you mentioned something about water before. Yes. Remember our, our very, very... Too much water. Yes. Our very, very learned friend, Mark Rourke, on the way out. Very the, learned. Very learned. Very, very <laughs> learned friend. <laughs> He decided to uh, ask us, it's raining outside? He's, yep. he's a very observant man as well. Oh, he's say. on the ball. He's he really spot on. Is. He is, isn't he? Uh, and uh, he uh, wants to know, you know, if too much, you know, when is... Too much water enough. Enough, yes. I keep on spitting that out, but I, I got there eventually. When should water stop, is what you're saying? Yes, when should water stop falling from the sky? And I guess the answer to that is, look, it's it's fantastic at the moment. At the moment, the gra- the uh, grass, the uh, the ground is still very, very dry. Yep. Uh, the humidity is starting to leave us as well, so it's important that we do get uh, you know rain at this time. Apparently, the uh, the dams are at an all time low. Oh, yeah, which is really strange because usually they uh, hunter water wax. Uh, uh, you know, water restrictions on us mm. as soon as, you know, they say the dams are at an all-time low, so... I haven't heard anything. No, I heard Then that. again, maybe our fingers aren't on the ball. No, no, maybe maybe not mine should be, but uh, I, I just didn't hear that. Uh, perhaps we're so much better at uh, conserving water than we were in the, in the past that they don't really think we need to put... Uh, maybe water. that's it. Well, yeah. people have got more tanks, maybe. Yeah. Uh, look, I guess uh, if you've got, uh, you know, uh, plants with sources around them, you don't necessarily want them, uh, you know, sitting in soggy conditions. Uh, citrus, uh, you know, they don't like, you know, incredibly soggy conditions, although this rain has been fantastic for them as well. Because uh, citrus get wet feet. The main thing to do at the moment is to uh, get out there and mulch. Uh, yep. Yeah, because the, the rain gets it, you know, it just beds it down, uh, really soaks in. Then any moisture that's going through to the soil will last in there for you. Any good mulch preference? I prefer sugarcane mulch. Yep. I don't uh, mind that either. That's, that's a good mulch. Oh, good, good. Okay. <laughs> We're agreed. <laughs> We're agreed on mulch. That's a tick on that today. Uh, because it's pH neutral, what's, your, what's one of your reasons for liking sugarcane oh, mulch? I just like sugarcane. Just like saying sugarcane mulch. Right. <laughs> Look, it's, it's pH neutral. It's like 10 times fast. It's not easy. It, it's probably not. Uh, it's almost alliteration, but not there. Not there. Not quite. No. It starts off with it, but then it stops straight away. Yes. Uh, so it's pH neutral. It, uh, it looks okay. It, it yep. mats together really quite nicely. Uh, look, it's probably not the best decorative mulch. I, I think it looks okay. If you want to do uh, decorative mulch, you can put the uh, sugarcane mulch and then put some pine bark or something over the top, uh, and then it'll all break down. You just sort of sugarcane mulch looks all right. It, it, look, it does. I, I like I said, I don't mind it, and it mats together, and that stops it blowing away when it gets windy as well. Yep. So that's a really important thing with it. Uh, so there you go, Mark Rourke. Mulching is the answer at this point in time. Question solved. Question solved. Would you, when you put down your mulch, I've always thought this, do your water straight after? Yes, absolutely, yeah. So water before you do so, and then once the mulch is down, water, water, water that as well. It, you'll just see it sort of start to sag down and mat together, and that's really important that you do that. Excellent. Now I know what to do. Okay, and we got to talk about your uh, most hateful plant as well later oh, on. Oh, yes. I'll bring the... I didn't take a photo. No, it's, yeah. Because it wasn't grown out as much as... Because I ripped it out so much last time. <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting for it to grow back. Right, and then you go to take the photo and then hack it back. Yep. yep. 
and then find out how I can hack it back permanently. Okay, poison, but we'll get to that at some point in time. <laughs> it's Guarding Talk back on 2NURFM. We've got June from Merriweather, and she's got a problem with what are your nemesis, Ooh. grasshoppers. Ooh, grasshoppers. June, how can we help you with them? Oh, please. I've got beautiful roses out the front, and all of the leaves are eaten to pieces. You bring them inside, the flower looks great, but no foliage. Oh, that doesn't sound too good. So it sounds like you have got grasshoppers. Uh, look, the worst thing with grasshoppers is that they are very difficult to control, uh, unless you've got a, like a helicopter and uh, some sort of spray <laughs> attachment. Uh, that's that's the, usually the best way to chase after them, and even then I reckon they'd probably outrun you. Uh, look, they are difficult to control because you can't spray your plant and have uh, you know, a systemic insecticide waiting in the plant for them to eat it. You actually have to contact the grasshopper, and they're clever little beasts. They've probably only got a, a small brain, uh, not much bigger than mine, I should imagine. But they know what to do. If they see you coming, they'll go around the back of the leaf or they'll fly off. They're very, very clever. Uh, look, I always say this, and, and people get a little bit horrified, but my favourite uh, tool to get rid of the grasshopper is the pair of scissors because uh, you just cut the heads off. Uh, oh. Oh, yeah, so <laughs> there we go. Yeah, they're eating away the plants on the deck that are in pots mm. as well. Look, the the other thing is, as it cools down, they really should start to disappear for you. Uh, but look, be that as it may, they're there for you now. Uh, you can spray if you want to. Uh, you need to get something uh, called carbaryl. It, look, it's a, it's a pretty sort of heavy-duty insecticide, uh, and it's not something you just go spraying willy-nilly around. You'd actually have to see the little beast and spray it at that time. That's why I go the old scissors method, because if you can actually see it, you might as well just cut it in half and get rid of it quickly. Uh, if you're spraying with carbaryl, uh, look, it can you know, affect the bees and things that might come around the roses. So it's, oh, it's no. really not the best thing to be spraying. Uh, I reckon the pair of scissors is the go. My vision's not great. Oh, but, no. Oh. Thank you very much That's for right. your help. I'm sorry Thank that you. there's no easy result with grasshoppers, June. They are driving me crazy, and I can't even find them on the plants. Well, that's it. They can be small, but hopefully by this time of uh, the year, they're getting quite large, and it sounds like if they're having a feed at your place, then they will be getting big. Yeah. Oh, oh glad something's coming of it. <laughs> Thank you very much, Scott. <laughs> I appreciate that. You Thank have, you. You have a nice afternoon. You too. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. It swung me around, because I was first horrified when you told me about that. Yes, yeah. But now it's there. If it's the only thing you can do. I think you've just been sort of inured to it. You just, you know, I've just been desensitised to desensitized it. Desensitised to it, haven't you? Yeah, I've spoken about it so often for so many years now that you just, as soon as I say it, you just don't even flinch, do you? Yep, yep. It's like watching The Godfather for the first time. You flinch a bit then, and then after a couple more times, you don't flinch at all. Yeah, perfect. Especially that horse thing. That's probably the. Yeah, that's not a good one, is it? No, especially no. when I was young. Yeah, by today's standards, a bit. Yeah, yeah. You don't want a little Shetland pony in your bed with you like that, do you? <laughs> no, you no, no. <laughs> And we've got Joyce from Windale, and she's got a question about the hyacinth. Hello, Joyce. How can we help you? Hi, Scott. Uh, look, I bought a hyacinth the other day mm-hmm. in flower. Yeah. I've got no idea how to look after it or what to do with it when it stops the flower. I've had a look in a couple of books and just sort of can't find anything. And, you know, how to look after it. Yeah, no, that's fine. We we can certainly help you out here. Uh, yeah, your hyacinths, it'll flower for oh, probably two or three weeks or so, and then, it'll, you know, the petals will start to, to drop off. And at that time, you'll probably notice that the plant is uh, sort of starting to die back as well as we get a bit colder. 
Now, the thing to do is don't sort of cut, if, you know, even if the leaves are looking a bit ragged, don't go and cut them off because as it dies back, what's actually happening is it's feeding the bulb for next year. Right. So it's putting energy back into the bulb for next year. So what you do is you let it die back, die back, die back. You sort of stop watering it at that point in time. Uh, you know, you might put it out on the veranda or somewhere like that. And once it's, you know, those leaves are a bit crinkly and it's completely died back, then you can sort of, you know, strip them off and clean it up if you want to. Uh, you can actually lift it and uh, those bulbs and put them into a, you know, a paper bag and store them in the garage or somewhere. Or if you want to, you can just leave the pot, uh, sort of the empty pot somewhere safe, not where it's getting watered. You want it to stay dry. Uh, again, on a veranda, or you can even stick it in the garage as well if you want to. And then next year, it'll just come back for you. Oh, great. Yeah. Now, the, is yeah, it I, smelling nice for you? Because they are a beautifully fragrant oh, plant. It's beautiful, and that's why I bought it. Yeah. And then I thought, but how do I look after it? Because I had a Reader's Digest um, plant book. A good old Reader's Digest, book. yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I couldn't, I couldn't find out what to actually do when it stops flowering, and I thought, well, what do I do with it when it stops flowering? Because I've never had one before. I've never bought one before. Yeah, no, look, you, you just let it die back. But that's the most important thing. People often, with the bulbs, once they start to die back, they get a bit antsy about it. And they think, oh, that doesn't look too flash. And they, they decide to, you know, cut it back down to the ground again. And that's not the thing to do because at that time, it's uh, feeding uh, the bulb. The hyacinths are pretty interesting, actually. They come from, uh, you know, sort of Eastern uh, Europe, around Turkey, Israel. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and uh, so, yeah, they, they come from there. And, again, a beautiful, fragrant, and very easy to look after plant. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. All right, Scott, thank you very much for that. Okay, I really not, appreciate it. Not a problem. You have a nice afternoon, Joyce. Yeah, you too. Jeez. Thank you. Bye. Bye. And we've got Cole from Rutherford, and he's got a question about the passion fruits. Cole, how can we help you with it? Yes, it's quite healthy and everything else, but the flowers keep dropping off. Ooh, okay, uh, look... Don't be too concerned about that now as it starts to cool down. Um, however, what you need to do is go and get a product called sulfate of potash and start applying that uh, probably, you know, every couple of weeks or every month. Uh, you know, now, don't just do it, you know, coming up to the flowering season. Now, what potash does is it improves the flowering and fruiting of the plant, so it'll make it much stronger. So those flowers won't drop off for you and uh, you'll actually get a much stronger fruit on there as well. Now, mate, the other thing with um, passion fruit, you know, with most flowering plants, is if they get a bit stressed, you know, if they're dry or anything like that, they will drop their flowers to, uh, you know, ensure survival. Um, so when they are flowering, mate, just make sure they're being really well watered. Yeah, well, I've, I've done them with potash. Yeah, Liquid so... Potash. Yeah, so look, it's not just a one-off thing. It's something you have to start to build up in the soil, and it might be that yours is a little bit um, deficient, uh, you know, up there at Rutherford. So you just got to um, build it up in the soil over the next year. Right, uh, thanks for that. Okay, good on you, Cole. Thanks very much for the call, mate. Thank you. Bye. Bye. -bye. Cheers, thanks, Cole. We've got Gail now from Mount Hutt, and then she's got a question about winter grass. Yeah, tis the season for winter grass. How can we help you, Gail? Oh, hello, Scott. I was just wondering if you could recommend something to get rid of the winter grass and the Kaikuya lawn. Uh, yes, okay, so there are products. There, there's, uh, look, we like to keep it simple. It's called Winter Grass Killer. Mm. Uh, and there's also a product called Endothal as well. Uh, but I well, think that... 
Sorry, what was that last second one? It's called endothal, but that has now been called winter grass killer. So if you go to, you know, your local garden centre, they should have, you know, a couple of types of winter grass killer come this time of year uh, because it is the time to do it now. You want to get in there. Uh, Endothal uh, works as a pre-emergent, so it actually stops the uh, seed from germinating. Uh, so it's very important to get onto that now. Otherwise, you get those little green tufts come up and then the seed heads and, you know, it's it's away on you and you get um, bare patches in your lawn come summer. Uh, so make sure you go and do it um, very, very soon. Now, always uh, check the uh, directions on the side of the packet uh, to make sure you can use it on KaiQ. I'm pretty sure you can use those products on there. Um, but, yeah, that's always very important to do with any chemical that you're going to go and spray. So, yeah, uh-huh. you, you'll get when you go out. I just usually call it winter grass killer. Um, we did buy one, but it was when we got home, we realised it was no good for Kaiku, your lawn. So. Yeah, okay. So always check uh, because, yeah, Kaiku can be a little bit funny like that. Uh, look, the thing with endothal, um, be warned, it is getting very, very expensive. Uh, you know, I think it was up over $30 last year like $35 or something like that and look, the reason for that is they really only make one or two batches a year of it uh, the chemical companies uh, because this is really the only time you get to use it um, you know uh-huh. in, the, in the middle of the year so do be prepared for uh, you know for it to be a little bit expensive uh, the product that you're going to buy okay. yep. it works it's fine yeah it certainly does but again make sure that the product that you pick uh, you know says on the side that it's um, good for KaiQ lawns. And that's why I always say go to an independent garden centre because you've got trained horticulturists there and they know what they're looking for. So they'll, um, they'll talk to you about it. They'll ask what sort of lawn you've got and they'll recommend the appropriate uh, chemical for you. Okay, thank you for your advice. Okay, thanks very okay. much for that, Gail. Good on you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Cheers, thanks, Gail. Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM. If you have a question for Scott Sharp, 49216216. Now, Scott, you mentioned a bit earlier, it's a change of season. Indoor plants. It is. I was shivering last night. I was freezing last night. I know. Lucky you weren't camping or anything over the weekend. Oh, I was camping over okay. the weekend. <laughs> did, you, did you shiver? It was very cold, yes. Well, Saturday was freezing. Look, Well, imagine how some of those plants that you've got in your house must be feeling as well once you get that sort of... Uh, that cool air coming yeah, through. Yeah, that cool air, that little sort of snap freeze that we get at this time of year. I always maintain once we get to about that first week of May, that's when things start to change. It seems that the seasons hold on longer and longer, but as soon as yep. it goes, it really goes. So, uh, you know, if you've got tropical plants inside or even on your verandas, you have to be careful at this time of year. Uh, just make sure that, uh, you know, any veranda plants that you might want to bring inside and out of any cold southerly winds that are starting to build up or westerly winds as well, for that matter. Yep. Uh, and so for your indoor plants, usually the thing to do is start to cut back on the watering uh, of them once it starts to cool down because overwatering, they just haven't got, you know, there's not the heat there. Uh, they're not transpiring as much. Uh, so you do need to cut down on the water, make sure they're not sitting in uh, sources full of water uh, because they'll certainly start to rot away. Uh, look, one of the... Um, you know, most hardy indoor plants are Kentia palms. They'll survive in low light conditions. Uh, but the thing with them is they don't like to be overwatered. Uh, so you just have to be careful about that, especially now as it's starting to cool down. Uh, Raphus palms are the same. Uh, I've noticed that there's been a bit of a change with them recently uh, in indoor situations. Uh, and I think that's just because of the, the cooler weather that's come along. And with the cooler weather, though, comes the other bonus of, you know, you've got your heaters on. Yes. Yeah, the old gas heater churning away. And if it's blowing directly towards a plant, uh, that's like being in the, you know, the Sahara Desert or somewhere, you know, quite nasty and there's a strong wind blowing. 
blowing. Yep. Apart from there being a sandstorm as well, I'd say. <laughs> but uh, but it'll dry the plant out quite uh, quite quickly. So if you have got a gas heater in the room and it's uh, you know try and move your plants into into a separate area or just make sure that they're well watered. So just make sure your plants. Should be where they should be, essentially. Yeah, where they should be, and appropriate watering. Uh, it's it's you know it's really important at this time of year just to generally cut back on the watering of indoor plants, uh, especially kentia palms, and don't have them sitting in front of heaters getting uh, that blast of hot Sahara air. Yeah, that would be common sense though, wouldn't it? Although. Yeah. Then again, I've got plants around my barbecue. <laughs> well, so. look, I wasn't going to cast aspersions on, on you know, the general population out there, but I'm glad you, you stuck your head up above the parapet and then said, you know, I make mistakes sometimes. Exactly. Yeah. I make mistakes sometimes. That's good. Okay. It's, yes. So, it's so good to yes. be honest with yourself. And, and really, that whole segment then I just spoke was directed at you entirely, oh, Greg. Excellent. Yes. <laughs> Probably didn't have to say that at the end, but <laughs> fair enough. It's Gardening Talk back on 2 and you RFM. We've got Virginia from Abula Dealer, and she's got a question about fireweed. Hello, Virginia. How can we help you? Um, I live on a property. We rent the acreage. Um, We do have animals. It's an animal sanctuary. And, of course, like most of the properties, we have a plethora of fireweed and was wondering if there is anything that can address that other than pulling it out by the roots. Uh, Look, as far as I know, only pulling it out by the roots. Uh, Look, unfortunately, I'd have to say that I mostly deal in domestic situations as well. So, uh, you know, once we start talking about, uh, you know, commercial and and farming things, I have to say, um, you know, my knowledge isn't as great. Uh, What you are probably best to do is go into your local, uh, you know, supply store and... uh, and, and uh, have a conversation with them about fireweed. Uh, have a look at some chemicals, uh, you know, turn them over and see where what you can actually use it on. Okay, and thank so there you. Is, and, I'm it sorry, was worth a shot. <laughs> I'm sorry I can't offer any more than that to you. Not at all. I, thank you anyway. I, I'm a total city slicker. <laughs> yeah. That's all right. I'll, I'll forgive you. Thank you for your help anyway. <laughs> okay, thanks. Thanks, Scott. Bye-bye. If I go west of Stewart Avenue, that's just, you know, I'm in the country. Exactly. Well, you're done. Oh, no. Here I am at the university. Oh, it's almost feel like you've gone out bush for the day. It is. It's just like being out in Moree or somewhere for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in the outback. We've got Ian from Brightwaters, and he's got a question about the citrus tree. Hey, Ian. Yep. How can we help you, mate? Mate, got this old, uh, I think it's an orange tree or it could be a grapefruit. But anyway, it's, it's got dead patches and, you know, dead sticks and bits and pieces in it. So I decided to get and trim a few out, mm. but it's created these, like, rogue spikes that, you know, got spikes on them, and my question, I guess, is do they grow fruit, or have I just have I done the wrong thing there? Yeah, where, where are these sort of rogue spikes coming from? Are they coming from uh, right down below the graft near the soil, or are they actually... No, they're on the tree, like, and, and I don't... They sort of get this straight look about them, but they've got spikes, and... And the tree's not exactly healthy. I've been trying to get it going. I thought, maybe I'm doing the wrong thing. I should just get rid of it, should I? Or, or will they grow fruit? I mean, they're sort of... They get, they look straight, and they come out of, like, one point, you might get three or four. Yeah, yeah. And they get spikes. Yeah. Is that well, going to do me any good, or are they just well, no look, good at all? Oranges and grapefruits do have spikes. I, I think what's... Okay. Yeah, so you're getting these sort of water shoots coming out from where you've pruned. Uh, look, the reason yeah. I was asking, did they come from below the graft or down near the soil, is because uh, no. it's, that's from the wild root stock, and that's a common thing to happen oh, okay. if your plants stress. So I was just checking up about that. Uh, look, you right. will get you will get fruit from that. You just need to wait for them to okay. you know get bigger and harden up. Uh, yep. Look, uh, the the main thing with uh, with citrus is give it a good old feed. 
Yep. And were you sort of selective in your pruning, or did you give a general prune back of the whole plant? I was a bit selective because a couple of the arms had a few fruit on. They're just starting to change colour, so I left them fairly yeah, okay. long. But I thought when that's done, I might give it a bit more of a more of a solid prune. Should I, or yeah, should look, I just leave? No, I, I would give it a solid prune back uh, once the fruit's finished. Uh, yeah, definitely do that, and you'll get a okay. much a much healthier tree. Uh, if you're getting right. rid of all that sort of old barky, you know that old yeah. you know, dried hard wood, uh, you get the yep. nice fresh new growth on there, and you, you, it really is a much healthier tree. It can withstand pest and disease uh, incursions right. a lot better. Uh, and right. then look, make sure you're doing a good old feeding uh, regime with your plant, uh, with your citrus tree, about three times a year. They love poultry okay. manure. And go and get yep. one of those citrus foods as well and uh, and use that. It look, and it is in the ground, isn't it, mate? Because I've been talking. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, I've no, been talking as if it's in the ground, yeah. Yeah, it's an older tree that we moved in the property 12 months ago and it's sort of, it was that sick. I thought, well, is it worth keeping? But anyway, it's improved a bit. I have fed it and it's just that. Still not great, but I thought if it's worth keeping, I'll keep it. If not, but I'll give it a good prune after it gets through to this couple of fruit. Yep, okay. And look, uh, for, for uh, listeners out there who have citrus in pots, uh, what I said about you can't use poultry manure and citrus food on those. You have to use slow-release fertilisers. But if you've got a citrus in the ground, uh, go yeah, for it. in the ground. Yep. Okay. Okay. Super stuff. Thanks, mate. Okay, have a nice thanks afternoon. Thanks very much for your help. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. Thanks, Scott. Bye. Cheers, thanks. Then we've got Carolyn now from Warners Bay, and she's got a question about an orchid. Hey, Carolyn, how can we help you? Oh, um, well, I've got a, one of these orchids, and I can't pronounce the name, but it's a very long name, Folene, Folene oh, yeah, something or other. Yeah, Phalaenopsis <laughs> is the way to say it. That's the, oh, yeah. I'm glad you said it, because I gave him no <laughs> hope of pronouncing that. <laughs> well, it's a real curly one. Well, anyway, I have a, a real one, not one of these artificial ones you see everywhere, which yep. I think is probably less less um, trouble. No, no, but, no, but we'll, we'll get to that in a while. You, you keep on going. Well... It had, it's only got one stem that had a few flowers on it. Now, both the flowers have dropped off now. What do I do with that stem that's sticking way up in the air? Um, do I cut that off or do I... What do I do with that? Or what, how do I look after it? Yeah, so you'll notice that at the stem that's sticking up, there's sort of little funny nodes on the stem. There is, yes, yeah. Okay, so what you actually do is uh, prune back to, uh, uh, you know, just... Oh, you usually go back about two nodes and then prune at that point in time. Oh, yes. And that uh, will allow the uh, the flower to actually sort of reshoot from where you've pruned it and uh, come back out again. It's a long way up in the air, though. Oh, well, if you want to, you can prune it back further. I, 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 yeah, it depends on how long that uh, flower stem is. Uh, but you, you just go back and cut just above the node at the height that you want it. Yes, all right then. So you're able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, um, it came in its own pot, um, but like a very decorative pot. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know you only water it very lightly, um, I think once a week or something. Yes, that's about right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, So do I have to fertilise that as well or what do I do? With it. Yeah, if you, if you want to, you can go and get a, a normal uh, orchid fertiliser. Usually a liquid fertiliser is the best to use. Just mix up a, a little bit in a container and uh, keep it. And, and uh, you know, you can give it some of that, uh, you know, every couple of weeks if you want to. Oh, okay. But right. the, the most important thing with Phalaenopsis orchids is that you find just the right spot for them in the house. Now, yeah. I, I always talk about mine. It's like I talk about my kids and my pets all the time. Oh, uh, <laughs> 
you know, but look, I, I'm just as proud of the Phalaenopsis orchids as I am of the of the kids, at least. Yeah. Maybe not the pets; they they annoy me every now and again. Yeah. Um, but uh, look, the Phalaenopsis orchid, a nice, well lit spot, uh, especially in winter. So mine faces north. Though there's deciduous trees in the backyard, they drop their yeah. leaves. The sunlight streams in, and then yeah. in summer, those uh, you know trees come back with their leaves, and it's just nice dappled sunlight. But it's a good warm position for the uh, Phalaenopsis orchid. So on a windowsill or somewhere like that, where it's getting right. some natural light coming in. Not western light, but some nice northern light. Right. Well, mine would be getting, I've got it in the entry, and it would be getting the morning morning um, sun coming through the glass beside the door. Um, so that would be good. That would be all right, so just the morning sun coming through there, the warmth. Yes. Yeah, I that, guess, but it's not, in, it's not in the sun as such. No, that, that should be fine. Right. And... Um, I'm getting a new leaf, so I was quite excited to get a new leaf on it. But then I thought, well, does this throw out more leaf stems or not leaf, uh, flower stems or or what? So it it will come from where the flower was pruned and then you'll get new flower stems coming up as well. Now, you you said you've got a nice new leaf coming on there. That sounds like you have got it in a good spot. So I, I wouldn't go and move it around the house in that case. No, okay. All right then. Oh, thanks, Scott. Okay, so okay. I'll just cut that back, yeah, to whatever height I think I'd like that stem. But just just above the node. Yeah, okay. Okay. All right, thanks for that help. Okay, thanks, Carolyn. Have a nice okay. afternoon. Yes, you too. Bye. Bye-bye. Cheers, thanks, Carolyn. Scott, I think we've got time for one more call, and it might be a bit of advice as well, that Ooh, fireweed. Yeah, we had... that's a good one. Uh, who was called before? Gail from Mount Hutton had a question about it. Yeah, I, hope, uh, I hope she's still uh, listening to us. And uh, Gary might have some advice about it. Gary, how can you help us, mate? Oh, good day. How are you going? Um, look, it's not so much firewood itself, but who she could talk to. Um, they'll be paying rates to what used to be called the Rural Lands Protection Board. Yes, OK. Uh, they, they go under a different name now, and I can't remember what it was. It's a few years since I left the farm. But they should be able to provide advice to her. Yes, okay. And the other, I had problems with blackberries and uh, I had council orders to get rid of it and all this. And I found Tokal College very, very helpful. Oh, okay. And so I guess it would be DPI, like Department of Primary Industries yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah, someone like that. Yeah, that'd yeah, be, yeah. that's who I'd be talking to, yeah. Okay, excellent. Okay. Thanks for that, Gary. Appreciate it. Okay, cheers. cheers actually, I was just reading about fireweed. Uh, it uh, actually turned up in the Hunter Valley first up in 1918. They reckon it came on the ballast of ships uh, trading between Australia and uh, Cape Town. 1918. 1918, and it uh, started slowly at first, but it has spread quite quickly since then. Now it's up in Queensland and everywhere. Like most stuff that gets introduced. Yes, uh, I guess we're giving that back. They're sending down the cane toads. We're sending up the firewood. <laughs> it all balances out. It, well, in a bad way, but it does, yes. <laughs> Scott, well, I think we've got time for one more call. We've got Brian from Valentine, and he's got a question about roses. Okay. Brian, how can we help you, mate? G'day, Scott. G'day, Greg. Lovely to talk to you both. Um, I've been tending my neighbour's garden who has roses in it, and I've managed to get them to bloom just now before I cut them back severely. And they're out in flower, two beautiful red roses. And we looked yesterday, and they've been... They're gone. They're completely gone. There's not a trace of not. The long, thin stem they grew on has just been cut. Now, we know it's not people. Um, we have a lot of cockatoos around here. Would they be the offender? Yep, I, I reckon they'd be the offender or possums. Um, well, if you've got a lot of... My- but if you've got a lot of cockatoos around, I've seen them. They're funny things. They'll, they'll, they can be actually quite destructive for, and mm. for no particular reason. I remember I was uh, watching them once go from this garden bed and 
cut and eat the these uh, sort of, uh, what were they, primulas, I think, and then just take the flower and put it in the swimming pool and then they'd walk back and do the same thing. I just couldn't <laughs> fathom why they were doing it. <laughs> yeah, they weren't getting anything to eat from them. No, no. Now, I ruled out possums because of the they're very tall roses and the thorns on them are mighty big things and they're, they're sort of away from anything where they could even dangle from, you know. Oh, yeah, so yeah. so you, I, I think we might come up with cockatoos. I reckon, I reckon it's one of those cockatoos. He's probably got himself a girlfriend. He's thought... I'm going to get a dozen red roses and uh, tell my girlfriend that I love her very much, and that's yeah. what he's gone off and done. Yeah. Secondly, with that lady with that orchid philanthropy, I can't even yeah. say, yeah. I treat them exactly the same as African violets, and I even feed mine with African violet food. Yeah, that, that's probably not a bad way to, to think about them as well. They are, yeah, I guess they're you know, similar to African violets. They like a bit of heat and, and warmth. Yeah, and, mine yeah, are yeah. facing north like yours. Yes. Right, even now, and they'll remain there because I get the morning sun. But um, just a simple way of finding out that's, that's the system I use to treat them as um, African violence. Okay, good on you. Okay, okay, lovely talking to you both. Okay, will you say hello to Romeo and Juliet, the cockatoos out there for us? Okay, <laughs> <laughs> bye now. See you, Brian. Bye bye. Cheers, Brian. Thank you very much for that. Scott Sharp, I'm afraid we're out of time. Oh, no. Look, you have to bring in your photo of your plant. I will next week. That rogue plant. Hopefully it's grown back a little bit. I'll leave it. Yep. Don't be I'll, cruel to it between and now and then. And I'll let it come back. Okay. Fingers crossed. Cheers. Two in your FM 103.7. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Two in your FM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.